once you actually eat and experience the chewiness of the donut and you taste the sugary glistening, you have the stickiness on your hands after eating it, that that's when I think you've really experienced a Krispy Kreme donut. Um, And sadly, I think a lot of times studying the Bible can become just this intellectual thing where we basically are doing what we did at the beginning, where we talk about the word, we talk about God, we analyze, we dissect, but we don't really move to a place of experiencing him. And I think Reed did a really good job of talking about this on Monday. And so I just want to let what Reed started on Monday kind of flow into Bible study training. That we want to let the concept of experiencing God seep into Bible study. So don't get me wrong, the intellectual component and trying to understand is, is important. But, and I stand by everything that we've been going through so far, but I just want us to know that there's something that's so much more. And really my prayer is, is um, Paul prayed in Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, that we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And so really, I want us to get to a place, just as Paul said, that we wouldn't just look at God and have knowledge, but that it would surpass knowledge. That it would move beyond just knowing to experiencing. Um, and, the, and so that is really what Paul is praying for them. And so um, I don't want us to settle just for knowing, but we want to talk, um, yeah, we want to move there. So just like I enjoyed the Krispy Kreme donuts, and I hope you guys did too, we were made to enjoy God forever. And so I want us to move to a place where Bible study becomes enjoying God. And so the main point that I'm going to kind of be talking about this morning is how do you take everything we've been saying and going through Bible study and not just have an intellectual devotion? So how do you go through studying the Bible and not just make it an intellectual thing? And so I have two disclaimers on that. There's so many directions I could go, and I'm just, I'm just choosing one. And maybe you'll kind of do the things I'm talking about and try it, and you're still just not going to be feeling it, I would say, hang on, um, Ryan Bell has some really good stuff for you coming up in a couple weeks. So that's my first disclaimer. And the second disclaimer is, it's not really a formula. Um, this is just a helpful way that I think I've looked at and I've been thinking about. And so this isn't just an exact formula, so you want, I want to be careful of that. But I'll give you kind of a hint. So the title of my talk is the mingling of prayer in the Bible. So, it might give you a little hint of where I'm going. And I got a lot of my thoughts from David Mathis's book, Habits of Grace. And so Reed gave a plug for it on Monday. I, I think that book is just a really easy read that I think is just so helpful. So I would really encourage you to take a look at that book. And also Prayer by Tim Keller. Um, so those are just two books that I, I think have just been really helpful. So John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Christ Jesus, um, whom you have sent. And so what, um, what Jesus is saying here is that there's a knowing. And so we were made for relationship with God. And that's what we were made for, that eternal life is knowing God and knowing Christ. So don't you think that in our Bible study, we should maybe take a more relational approach to encountering and knowing God? And so how do you really get to know a person? How do you get to experience a person? 
And I think a huge way is through conversation. And so I would really like to encourage us to look at Bible study as a conversation with God. And I think that's really sweet because in a conversation, there's someone speaking, someone listening, there's responding, there's back and forth. And I really think that that's what we should really seek to do in our Bible study. So I just have three points, um, if you want to pull up my outline, that God speaks, we listen, and we answer back to a listening God. So God speaks, we listen, and we answer back to a listening God. So first, God speaks. So God, um, creation, I think, is an expression of God that you can look at creation and you can see God and he's speaking through it. And I think there is a way that he can still speak to us. Um, but I think that the way which Ryan talked about last week, that really we see God's words that are in a concentrated place is in his word. And so that's where we come to even test everything else, whether it is truly from God, is in the Bible. And so. I want us just to stop here and just think that the words here, they're not just some words. This isn't just some book, even though mine's pretty beat up. But here is God's word to us, that we have the Bible, which is God's letter to us. And that's an amazing thing that I think we can just take for granted, and that I can take for granted so easily, is that this is God's word to us. And so... David Mathis says that just as the words of a friend are central in revealing his person to us, so it is with God. And so, in a way, your friends, what they say and what they tell you is, is a huge way of getting to know them. And so it's the same thing with God, that what he says and what he tells us is a huge way in which we get to know him. And so he wants us to know him enough that he wrote us a book and so Lucas Cheka, so if you guys were here last summer, uh, Lucas Cheka showed this clip. But I think this clip is just so powerful because I think it just brings to light um, the fact that God has spoken to us. Um, and also, one of my friends, Greg Morris, is in it. He's running around, so it looks cool. So, uh, so you can, uh, if you want to pull up the video, I think it, it illustrates the point of God speaking to us.
infected eyes look, and all we see is a lifeless, boring portrait on the wall. But it's not a portrait. It's a window. It doesn't hang lifeless in an old frame on the wall. It breaks through the wall into another world, the real world, the lasting world, the better world. Through this window shines a divine light that changes everything around us. We all know that the road to knowing God is not easy. Discipline and resolve are important, but they can carry you only so far. A few days, a week, maybe a month. For the long run, we need something stronger more compelling than discipline and resolve. There are too many traps along the path, too many hurdles. At the root, the reason we don't read the Bible is that we don't want to read the Bible. We don't see joy, peace, and life when we see that leather binding on our shelf. We see a wall, not a window. Boring portrait, not the never-ending beauty beyond. So we put it off, leave it shut, and move on. We stay in bed, and we miss the miracle. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness, loves to speak light into hearts and minds. God wrote a book, and with his book, these words in front of us, he wakens our dead, bored souls. He frees us from bondage to sin, from desires that rob us of life. He comforts the depressed, inspires the discouraged, guides the confused. empowers us to make our lives count for his cause in the world. He satisfies us completely and forever with words. His words. So, will I read my Bible tomorrow? Where else would I go? How else will I know him? How else will I prepare myself to enjoy him forever? Yes, I'll spend the rest of my life looking out of this window, watching, waiting for another sight of him, another miracle, another glimpse of my God. because I feel like that is just so inspiring for me. Like I just sit there and you see like all the beauty and Piper's growly voice and it's just, it's, I don't know. It's, but I think oftentimes I don't see reading the Bible the way that Piper does um, and the way that he was saying that he, yeah, he was uh, challenging us. And so I'll just ask you, 
When you're thinking about sitting down to read the Bible, are you thinking about them as the words of God? Or as Piper was saying, a window through this dull world into another? Um, Do you expect him to speak to you, to meet you, when you're sitting down and reading with each other? Um, And oftentimes, I, I don't feel that. When I think of those questions, that's not what I see. And so I think that just even leading into our Bible study, it should just lead us to dependence and prayer. And I think the two consistent prayers of mine when I sit down to read the Bible every morning, one comes off Ephesians 1.18, where Paul says that having your, the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to what he's called you. And I think that that's a consistent prayer of mine, is that we need to ask God to open our eyes, that our eyes would be enlightened. And I think that that is a desperate, needy prayer, that we should just be praying every time we sit down or think about reading our Bible. And the second one, in John 16, 13, um, Jesus says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Um, For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and to declare to you the things that are to come. And so the second thing that I pray, so I just, we're needy for guys to, God to open our eyes, and we're needy for the Spirit to speak and to reveal the truth and to really reveal what's going on there. And so I think that, when you think of and watch a clip like that, and you don't feel that, I think that we can often just beat ourselves up. But I think it should just lead us to a place of dependence and, and asking God to work and move. And so, so first we have God speaking. Then and we go back to the idea of the conversation. We listen. So if God is speaking, then we get to listen and hear what he's saying. And so there's two ways that we listen. And one is through study. And one is through meditation. So these are two ways that I'm going to say. These are the two ways in which we listen to what God is saying. Through study and through meditation. So first, through study. Like a letter that you get from a friend, it's really important that you just know what your friend is actually saying. And so that's why studying is really important, is that we want to listen to hear what God is saying. And we want to make sure that what God is saying is what we're getting. And, and last week, I used the quote when I was talking about study, or two weeks ago, when I was talking about studying, I used a quote from Piper that says um, that oftentimes that raking is easy and you, get, and you get leaves. Digging is hard, but you may get diamonds. And so I think that in study, that's kind of a, a quote that Piper has coined to kind of spur us on to look harder and dig deeper. But sometimes that quote, I think because I've heard that and I've been in these circles for a long time, it can kind of beat me up sometimes because I can think some days I just can't dig for diamonds or I just feel like I don't have energy. Or it can make me think, is the Bible just for intellectuals? What about those who don't have the intellectual capacities? But I was just, when I was thinking about that, that quote, it made me realize that God is so gracious that even if you just rake, you'll get leaves, you'll get beautiful leaves. And that is God's grace for us. And so every time you guys sit down to read the Bible, I think that there's something there that you should be able to walk away with something because there's gonna be things that are just right on the surface that you can pick up. But I would challenge you to, that, that there is joy in looking harder, that we can look for diamonds, that if you do put in the hard work of really trying to ask what's going on, There's an opportunity, there's an adventure, there's a puzzle 
there's things to see that you'll realize that if you don't dig deeper there. And so, um, so that, those are what I would say in studying. And so, as we talked about two weeks ago, I think a really good way to do that is through the inductive, because I think it just helps you to come into it and just say, this is what God is saying. It's not the only way, but I think it's just a really helpful way to study and try to figure out actually what God is saying. And so we want to not just stay there. We don't want to just stay at study. We want to move into the heart. But studying is really important. Tim Keller in his book Prayer says, unless you do first do the hard work of answering the questions about a text, your meditations won't be grounded in what God is actually saying. And so we want to just know what God is saying. But then once we figure out what he's saying, we don't want to just stop there. We want it to move from our head down into our heart. And so that's when we move into meditation. And so David Mathis in his book Habits of Grace says that meditation is kind of like a lost art. It's something that um, a lot of people in our generation have kind of forgot or don't know what what to do or or what is this word. And there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Um, It's not just an emptying of the mind as you kind of see in Eastern religion. So I think a lot of times when you first hear the word meditation, you can kind of just think of it as like emptying your mind, but it's, it's so much more than that. I think it's more of like a filling. It's not an emptying of your mind, it's a filling of your mind with amazing truths. And so going back to Saul, uh, Ephesians 3, uh, 19 that I talked about at the beginning, that, that Paul is really praying that we would be filled with the fullness of God. And so that's what meditation is, is it's being filled, being full. And so Psalms 1, 1 through 2 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of scoffers, sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so I think that that's more of what meditation is, is that you see that in Psalm 1, 1 through 2, his delight is in the law, and on it he meditates day and night. So meditation is a delighting in and taking this truth um, and thinking over it over and over in many ways. And um, the word meditate literally means to mutter to oneself. So when you're meditating, it's just you're kind of talking to yourself over and over and you kind of seem crazy. Um, but that's really what you're doing. You're just kind of taking these truths and you're just kind of Mulling them over. And so Tim Keller defines meditation as this. He says, it's taking the truth down into our hearts until it catches fire there and begins to melt and shape our reactions to God, ourselves, and the world. And so that's what you're doing when you're meditating, is you're taking these truths and letting them catch fire in your hearts until they shape our reflections about God, ourselves, um, and the world. So we really want to fight to reflect upon a passage until it becomes delight. And I think that's what Reed did on Monday with the word grace, that he just did beautifully is he helped us, I think, to meditate on it. That oftentimes we take this word grace and we think we know what it is because we can explain it, we can talk about it, we've heard it a lot. But what he made us do is he made us think about what do we see it? What are pictures? How do we experience grace? And that's, I think that that's part of meditation. That's part of really letting the truth of a passage speak into all of your life. And so you don't just have to wait for a talk from someone to help you to do that. 
you can do that every day as you're sitting down and as you're reading the Bible, that you can look at the different things that are being said and you can mull them over and let them impact you and let them influence the way that you think um, and feel. And there's not really an exact formula that we're all kind of different. And so how you meditate, I think is just going to look a little different for each of us. But here's a couple things that you could do, I think, to help you meditate. One is to memorize a passage. So when you memorize it, you're just kind of forced to kind of think about it. And it kind of moves into a place where you're, you're dealing and working through it. And I think just even doing the memorization of the passages that we've been doing so far have been just so helpful. Um, I was just thinking back a couple weeks ago, I memorized um, Ephesians 1-7 with Andrew. And um, it says in him, we have, in him, <laughs> we, have uh, uh, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of the trespasses according to the riches of his grace. So it's been a little bit, but did I get it wrong? Huh? No, but anyway, I was just really struggling with forgiving, and was, and um, I just was thinking about like so, like hurts that I'd had in my past, and I was really just struggling to forgive. But because I was meditating and thinking about that passage, it just made me realize that that the reason that God forgave us is because of according to the riches of His grace. And so I just was thinking about that that God has riches of grace. And in that moment, when I was really struggling to forgive um, of any hurts that I had, um, that I was, felt so deficient in grace. I felt like I just really didn't have the grace to extend to this person at that time. Um, but just by having that verse and thinking about it and meditating on it, it made me realize that I, that's right, I am deficient in grace but God is fully sufficient in grace, that he has riches of grace. Um, and so if I'm struggling to forgive, I just need to come to the source, that I need to come to God and ask him to help me um, extend grace. And I think I just prayed about that, and I just felt such a freedom and really felt like I was able to forgive. And I think that just came off of really just memorizing a passage and just having it be in my mind. I think another way you can memorize is kind of emphasize and think through each word. So as you're going through a passage, you can just look at each word and just think, what does this word mean? What does this look like? What does it feel like? Um, you could paraphrase a text. And so oftentimes after you've studied it, it's still kind of in this intellectual realm. But then if you're able to paraphrase it and put it in your own words, I think you're able to really put it in a way that you really feel like you understand it. Some other questions that could help you meditate on the text is, is there something about the character of God you can praise? Something wrong about yourself you can repent? Something you need to petition or ask God for? Other questions would be, what happens in my life when I don't believe this text? Um, what would it look like if I really believed that this is true? How would my life look different if we really believe that we are adopted sons and daughters? What would our life look like? Um, and just thinking about that. I think um, it's an amazing, beautiful thing. So, um, and then the final one, I think that, and there's many more, but this is the last one I'm going to talk about, is what is going on in your life and that why this text is relevant? Um, so once you really know what a text is saying, you could ask yourself, what's going on in my life that makes this relevant? 
And I can't tell you how many times I feel like after I was studying the Bible, I felt like, wow, it's amazing that I'm studying this right now because of this thing going on in my life and just how gracious and kind God is into that, um, you know, is in showing us that. So, um, so that's meditating. And so we want to, uh, God speaks to us. We want to listen. Um, and really an interesting thing that I've noticed in ministry is that some people tend to be really good at analyzing and studying a text. Um, and, and people in general, this is just a generalization, but the people who are good at analyzing and actually studying the text, I think have a harder time of applying it to the heart. Um, and I think the thing that I've noticed is that people who tend to be really good at applying it to the heart maybe struggle a little bit with actually analyzing the text. And so this is just a shameless plug for um, Ryan's uh, talk next week and teeing him up, is that I think that there's a way that it's so important that we come together and you don't look down upon the people who are really good. Uh, I think that there can be a way that people who are really good at getting to the heart can look down upon those who are really good at analyzing and vice versa. But I'm like, wouldn't it be sweet if really we just use that as an opportunity to learn from each other? And so um, that's just a little thing for next week, uh, but you can think more about that. So. So we, we, God speaks, we listen, and then we get to respond. And so continuing the idea of a conversation, after we hear God speak, we answer back to a listening God. Um, and so the final third point is we answer back to a listening God. So Tim Keller defines prayer as this. He says, prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. So he says, prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. And that's kind of what I've been getting at, is I really want that for us. I want us to have a full encounter with God. So for a relationship to work, that there has to be a listening, but there has to be a speaking back. That how are you, um, that you need to acknowledge that the other person is there. Um, that when a person speaks to you, it's kind of rude just to sit there and then not say anything back to them. Um, and that's, I think, what we do when we don't pray. But I think when you do pray, you're acknowledging, you're answering back to God. Um, that you're saying, um, you're acknowledging he's there. And this might be intimidating, um, knowing that God is holy, but as we read in Ephesians 3, 12, that we have access, um, that we can have boldness, that we can come before God, who is holy, and we can actually talk to him. Or as in Ephesians 4, 16, because we see Christ um, and what he is like and that he's been tempted every way that we are, we can draw near to the throne of Christ. And just think about that, that we can draw near to God, the creator of this universe, that we have access to him, that we can come before him, and that we can speak to him. And this is an amazing thing that I think we can take for, in for, uh, for granted. Um, and so I think that there's a way that sometimes we can be afraid to pray because I think we're just afraid, or maybe we're really struggling to believe that he's really real. And 
I think sometimes prayer, especially after reading the Bible where I've read it and it doesn't really feel like I'm really believing it, I can have a hard time praying because I feel so insincere. And it would feel so insincere for me to talk to God in this moment. But I would just challenge you in that moment to just talk to him and tell him that. That I feel like sometimes so many of my prayers are just telling God that I feel insincere and that I'm not believing this thing right now. And then asking for his help to help me um, to believe it. And so, um, so it's, it's continuing this conversation. Um, Mathis also talks about prayer in this way. I think this is really sweet. He says that reading of God's word is like inhaling and then praying is exhaling. And so we read it, you inhale, and then you exhale. And that's really the whole, it's a, it's a, it's a relational conversation. And so I think I really want to challenge us not to just think of prayer as a cultural transition cue that it's kind of at the begin, beginning and end of something, just to kind of transition and tell everyone, hey, we're starting this, we're ending this. But it's so much more than that. It's an integral part of the whole conversation, of the whole experience. Um, and I think that when you really do come into a place of praying, you're coming before God, and you, you, you don't have anything to hide. He sees everything, and yet he's listening and wants to hear from you. Um, there's so much more that could be said about prayer. Um, it would be sweet just to do a whole talk on that. But um, it doesn't just have to be after your morning Bible study, as I, was, as I was encouraging here. But I think it's really important and part of it. Um, and I think it is really helpful to come right after Bible study because it puts the focus on God. And I really do think that the Bible does teach you how to pray. So my little girl, Isla, um, she's back in the room getting ready to head out soon. She, I, it's been amazing. I feel like just the last two weeks, every day she's saying a new word. And it's just so fun to like watch her, like this little baby who didn't say anything, um, but now is like able to communicate caca, which is cracker. And like, <laughs> she woke up at two o'clock last night and she was saying caca, caca. <laughs> And so I was like, uh, I'm a softie, so I'm going to cut her a cracker. <laughs> we not do that. But I just was like, I, I think I was just so impressed. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, but I think the reason that she knows how to speak, it's just, it's amazing how, how the baby's mind works and that it's because of us talking to her. Um, it's through other people engaging with her and speaking to her. And I think it's the same thing with God, that in his word, he helps us develop our language. He helps us to know um, what we're saying. And so I think that the word, when it's partnered with prayer, I think it just makes your prayer so powerful because you're speaking God's language. Um, and you're speaking in a way, and so he's teaching us how to do it. And so that's why I think just praying after studying the Bible is so helpful. And it helps you to really, um, yeah, not just focus on one part, but each day you're learning something new about God. And so you're being able to experience and speak that. So my final thing under prayer is how do you do it? What does this look like? And so I'm just going to talk about one model that I use. Once again, just a model. 
I think after you read the Bible, you could just say exactly what you were thinking and feeling. But this is just a helpful way that I use, and it's called the Acts model. And so some of you guys have maybe heard it. But I just think it's just really helpful for me because it puts all the emphasis on God. And so the first thing is after reading a passage, I, the word A, so A-C-T-S is what Acts is. So the A and the A-C-T-S is adoration. And so after reading the passage and looking at it, I want to come and say, what is there something about God like that I can adore in this passage? Um, how can I speak to God and praise him for what's going on here? Whoa, got rid of that. Um, so there's the adoration. So you're adoring God, um, proclaiming who he is, responding back to what he's shown you. And then there's, that leads you, I think when you really see God for who he is, that it leads you to a place where you see, oh my gosh, like God is so holy and perfect. And then you see yourself and you're like, I do not deserve to be here. And I think that that leads you just into a place of confession where you just come before God and you just acknowledge really your sin and ways you aren't believing this, um, what is going on here. Um, So there's the adoration. It leads you to a place of confession And then I think from there, you don't want to just stop there, but you move into thanksgiving. And you thank God just for his grace um, and for meeting us in his son Christ, um, which then leads into supplication. And God really does want to hear our requests. He does want to know um, what we're struggling and what we want. He's a good father who knows how to give good things to us. But I think that when you ask for things after really praising and confessing and thanking God, I think that it makes your supplications, so the things you're requesting, so much greater. Because Tim Keller in his book, he says that oftentimes our prayer can be worrying in God's direction. And so I think that that's oftentimes what we do when we're just praying, is that we're just worrying. Um, But I think that when you come to a place where you're realizing that you have God, you have relationship with him, he's forgiven you and he has eternal blessings waiting you, then when you come to him for a petition and you're asking for things, you're able to say what Jesus said, but not my will, your will be done. Because you don't need this thing um, to be ultimately satisfied. Um, But you're just asking him, um, and oftentimes he he does answer, and he does want to know and do what's best for us. Um, And so I know that's a lot, and it's early and or late, Um, I've been going for a while. So um, I really just hope that as um, you reflect or you would think about this talk is that I just really want to encourage you guys to think about your devotional time um, as really a conversation. And just remember that you were just remade for relationship with God um, and that you would really seek and ask and, and pray that God would meet you in your daily devotionals. Um, So I'll pray for us, and then I'll give us a little break, and then we'll do some workshop. So, Father, um, I feel like a talk like this um, can't do justice to the importance of coming before you and meeting you and seeing you and speaking to you. um, That I feel, I pray that people in this room would feel convinced of the importance and that they would just take advantage of the relationship that they can have with you. 
I pray that they wouldn't just see the Bible and reading the Bible in, three, in 2D, but I pray that they would see it in 3D, that just as Piper said, they wouldn't just see it as a frame upon the wall, but it would be a window into something amazing and something beautiful. Um, it's something that is so much greater um, than this world that they were made for. And so I pray that they would meditate, that they would work the truths down into their hearts and that that would lead into applications and it would lead into changed lives. And that, um, and yeah, and Father, I just pray that you would meet them, um, that you would give them hearts that would be longing to pray and cry out to you. I pray that, that they would acknowledge you as God and that they would acknowledge you through their prayers. And so, Father, I'm just really thankful for everyone who's here in this room. Um, and I just pray um, that you would yeah, just be with them this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.